continue with Isaac's story. The beginning of Genesis 25 tells us about the death of Abraham. The widower Abe got a second wind. He married Keturah, and it named six boys. Verse 6 in chapter 25 tells us, Before he died, he also, quote, gave gifts to the sons of his concubines. My seventh grade students want to know what a concubine is. It's essentially a mistress, a woman who's used without the honor and security of being a full-fledged wife. I told you the Bible is utterly unique in how it treats its heroes. Here we have the main trunk of the tree, Abraham. And the last thing the text tells us about this man is his failure to keep God's pattern. One man, one woman, glued together for life. He's got ladies on the side. Back to Isaac and Rebecca. As the pregnancy progresses, Rebecca's concerned. That baby in there is active, more than active. Something's up. She asks God, what's up? God replies to her, there's two in there. Two children are in your womb. They'll become great nations, and the older will serve the younger. That's highly unusual. The older was always the big shot. That's God's code for saying, the younger one will carry the blessing of God that he made to Abraham and passed to Isaac. He will carry the stomper. When Rebekah gives birth, the two boys are hooked together, not conjoined. The second one's grabbing the heel of the first one. They decide to give them descriptive names. The first one was red and covered in hair. They named him Red, Esau. The second one, holding on to his big brother's heel, Heel Grabber. Red and Heel Grabber. Though born at the same time, they couldn't have been more different as they grew up. Genesis describes Esau as an outdoorsman, a real he-man, a hunter. I have a brother-in-law like this, and he had a little boy, Matthew. In Sunday school class, the teacher asked, who can name the seasons? Matthew's hand shot up, hunting season and fishing season. That's Esau. Jacob, on the other hand, was a mama's boy, a homeboy. Isaac and Rebekah started playing favorites. Isaac preferred Esau, Rebekah, her homeboy Jacob. Fully grown, one day Esau comes into the house. Jacob's been whipping up a family favorite recipe, some stew. Esau may have said, man, I'd give anything for some of that. Apparently, Jacob had been planning for a day like this. He had a suggestion. I'll trade you dinner for your birthright. I explained to my students the birthright. It was given to the oldest son and came with two privileges. First, to be the leader of the clan or family. And second, a double portion of the inheritance. That double portion wasn't a reward. It was meant for the oldest son, the leader of the family, to take care of any unmarried daughters or a widowed mother. He would be the leader and the provider for others. That's a pretty big deal, both in terms of responsibility and honor. Instead of telling Jacob to drop dead, he said, What good is a birthright if I starve to death? Shockingly, he made the deal. That story is very revealing about the wiring of both these twin boys of Isaac and Rebekah. The incident in Genesis chapter 26 sounds a bit like God cut and paste an incident from Abraham's life. Isaac, fearing for his life, lies about Rebekah, saying she's his sister. You know it's coming, don't you? Well, not exactly. This time the local official sort of keeps his eye on Rebekah. One day, while keeping an eye on her, Isaac shows up. 
he gets a bit amorous with Rebecca. The local official says, man, you don't do stuff like that to your sister. I asked my students, do you think there was a time that Abraham ever sat down with Isaac and said, hey, if you get into a sticky situation and are fearful for your life that somebody is going to want your wife and kill you, just tell them she's your sister. I don't think so either. Apparently, Isaac has picked up some of his father's bad habits. At the end of chapter 26, the text tells us that Esau married one of the local ites, the Canaanites, and then a second ite, and that these two ite daughter-in-laws made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. We're seeing the beginnings here of a very dysfunctional family, and it's about to get much, much worse. In Genesis chapter 27, Jacob steals the blessing from his big brother Esau. Remember, he worked the angles on Esau to con him out of the birthright. With the blessing, he outright steals it. With the help of his mother. With the help of his mother. To understand the gravity of this situation, we need to understand what the blessing was. A blessing was a spoken word of honor and favor, almost a predictive prophecy about the trajectory of someone's life. I ask my students, do words from someone older than you, whom you highly value, matter? If your beloved grandpa or grandma called you to their bedside and said, I love you, you're an amazing blessing to me, and you will make a difference in your world. Or, you're an annoying little kid, and you'll bring nothing but trouble. Do you think those words might ring in your head and impact the trajectory of your life? Indeed. The text tells us, Isaac said, it's time to bless my son Esau. Isaac is old. In fact, he's so old he's blind. He calls Esau in and says, it's showtime. Time to give you my blessing. Let's turn it into a party. Go hunting. Get a deer. Make up that savory venison. You know the way I love it. Then come back and I'm going to bless you, my son Esau. We need to stop and ask a question. Why is Isaac doing this? When Rebekah was pregnant, God told her, the older will serve the younger. It's Jacob the younger who is to receive the blessing. He is the one who will carry the stomper. He is the one whose trajectory is the preferred future. Yet Isaac pulls the trigger and says, I will bless Esau. I tell my students I see only two possibilities. The first is, Isaac knew that and didn't care. He liked his outdoor he-man oldest son Esau, and God could just get over it. But there's another possibility. He didn't know. Is it possible Rebecca never told him? Is it possible God could speak to pregnant Rebecca and she'd never share this amazing news with her husband? It could have been either. I'd say it's a coin toss. Either way, they're messed up. A dysfunctional family, to say the least. Rebecca hears Isaac's conversation with Esau and moves into action. Grabbing Jacob, she says, Quick, do what I say. Go get two choice kids from the flock. Bring it to me and I'll prepare it. You'll take it in, he'll eat, and pass the blessing to you. Jacob, the heel grabber, the conniver, wants no part of it. He's smart enough to know his ruse will be discovered by his father. Jacob's voice is different and he's smooth-skinned rather than hairy like Esau. He'll pull me close, feel my smooth skin, and know I'm an imposter. Then he'll curse me instead of bless me. 
Rebecca's got that covered too. She'll put some hair from those two slaughtered kid goats on his hands and the back of his neck. I've lived with your father my whole life. I know how to work him. Trust me. And that's exactly what Jacob does. When he enters the room, his father asks who he is. I'm Esau, your firstborn. I've done what you said. Here's the game. Eat it and bless me. Isaac pauses. How did you get back so quickly from the hunt? Jacob responds, the Lord helped me. Isaac asks him to come close. Isaac runs his hands across Jacob's hands in the back of his neck and says, It's the voice of Jacob, but the hands of Esau. Isaac then eats the meal and at the end asks Jacob to come close once again. This time he hugs him and smells him. Though his eyes have failed him, his nose won't lie. Taking a deep breath of his scent, he blesses Jacob disguised as Esau with abundance with the respect of peoples around him, with favor over his brothers, and ends it with, Cursed be those who curse you, and blessed be those who bless you. The text tells us no sooner had Jacob departed the room that Esau came in with his prepared venison dish. Isaac falls apart. The voice, skin, and smell are really Esau. He knows he's been had. Your brother came deceitfully and has stolen away your blessing. I blessed him with prosperity, power, and I've made him your master. Verse 38 of chapter 27 is heartrending. Esau begs his father for a blessing. Certainly, Dad, you have to have a blessing for me. And he bursts into heaving sobs. Son, you will indeed be lesser than your brother and serve him. But one day you'll break away from him. Esau entered the room with venison. He left with a grudge, saying to himself, When my father has died, I will kill my brother Jacob. Again, Rebekah hears the conversation. She helps Jacob pack to flee. She tells him where to go, to Haran, to her brother Laban's house. She reminds Isaac the grief the two local Canaanite daughter-in-laws are causing them. She tells him, I am sending Jacob to find a wife from our people. She knows how to work the angles, too. He calls his deceptive son to his side and repeats the blessing. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of people. May he also give you the blessing of Abraham to you and your descendants with you, that they may possess the land of your sojournings, which God has given to Abraham. There it is, the promise Isaac the patriarch passes to his son Jacob the promise he received from Abraham his father. Lots of kids, a special land, and best of all, the stomper. I imagine Rebecca kissing her favorite son goodbye. It will only be for a few days. In fact, it will be nearly 20 years. What will be the life trajectory of this conniving heel grabber? We'll discover that in our next episode.